your Bibles, if you would please, tonight to the Gospel of Luke, chapter number 4. Luke chapter number 4. Praise God. For the last couple of Wednesday evenings, if you have not been here, we have been talking about the move of the Spirit. The move of the Spirit. You know, the Godhead is made up of three distinct individual persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. Amen? And speaking of the Spirit of God, He lives on the inside of every true Christian. Our bodies have become the temple of the Holy Spirit. What a miracle that is. And for every person who's truly received Jesus and been born of the Spirit, it ought to show up in the life when God moves in and begins to indwell the very spirit of that human being. Hallelujah. Uh, But there is another experience, amen, that is promised to all believers if they'll believe it and just receive it. And that is another, a greater, a deeper dimension of the same Holy Spirit that lives on the inside called the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And we have seen over the last two weeks that this is how God began the first great move of the Holy Ghost in the church age was to pour out His Spirit, amen, on 120 of His disciples. Now think about uh, most of the people, we don't know their names, but some of the key ones we know who were in this upper room. Mother Mary was in this room. So Mother Mary was filled with the Spirit. There was a vision of a cloven, divided tongue of fire that people saw over her head. Right? She, her ears heard the sound of a rushing, you know, as it sounded like a rushing mighty wind. And Mother Mary was filled with the Holy Spirit and she spoke in a strange and heavenly, not earthly, tongue. Mother Mary did. Matheus did. They voted him in, you know, as uh, Judas Iscariot's replacement. He spoke with tongues. Peter, James, John, Bartholomew, Philip, Nathaniel, Thomas. Right? There is no such thing as a, uh, one of the original 11 that didn't speak with tongues. Amen. And we saw that without going back and covering that ground, that this was the impetus. It wasn't the only manifestation of the moving of the Spirit. Healings broke out. Mass salvation broke out. Peter stood up that day as people, the crowd gathered and said, What is this? What meaneth this? And they saw these 120 stammering around under the uh, infilling of the Holy Spirit, thinking that they were actually drunk on wine. Remember that? And Peter preached a, 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 the, really the first evangelistic sermon. Amen. After he was filled with the Spirit and 3,000 people were born again. So we've got revival is on, right? Revival is on. Demons were cast out. All of Jerusalem was just kind of turned into an uproar. Amen. As the gospel began to go out from that little upper room, that small group of 120 who were filled with the Spirit. Stephen, one of the first seven deacons, was filled, he was a man described as someone who was full of faith, full of wisdom, and full of the Holy Ghost. And he did mighty signs and wonders and miracles among the people. Notice he didn't do that without that empowerment, without that infilling with the Spirit. Amen. But once he did, he's out there working signs and wonders. Philip. 
takes this baptism with the Holy Ghost. Amen. This divine empowerment. And He's the one example we have in the New Testament of a true evangelist. And we first see Him in Acts in Samaria. Amen. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 8 that He went and He preached Christ unto them. He preached a salvation message. And they believed seeing the miracles which He did. Come on. Notice now Philip is doing miracles. We don't know what kind. We know that the lame were healed. Uh, We know that those that had the palsy were healed. And different kinds of miracles were worked. Amen. And the whole city basically comes to Jesus. Then he sends for Peter and John. And Peter and John come down and and minister the baptism with the Holy Ghost. And they are filled with the Spirit. And I mean, it's just on from there. So much so that the Bible says that the people in Jerusalem brought out the sick on beds and couches and linens, laying them in the streets that the shadow of Peter passing over some of them, when that happened, they were healed. So we're talking about healings. But again, the point I'm reiterating on purpose is what was the impetus? What was the ignition? What started this great move of God? It was an experience called the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And we're expecting in this last day, and we're even in it, I believe, another outpouring. Because the way it began is the way it's going to end. Amen. The way the, uh, the latter rain started, the early rain, the latter rain is going to start the same way. Most of the great revivals that have changed planet Earth had a great emphasis on believers coming back into an understanding of what it means to be filled with the Spirit and speaking with other tongues and moving with the power of God. Amen. Amen. And so if we're going to go further as the body of Christ, even as a local church in the move of the Spirit that God has for us, we need to know some things about the baptism with the Spirit. Amen. And uh, though you may have been filled with the Spirit and spoken with tongues and spoken tongues yesterday, or in, there's still so much more to receive, so much more to walk in, so much more to know. I don't know everything there is to know about it yet. And I've been talking in tongues since what, 1996 or 5 or so, somewhere around in there. Amen. And uh, so praise God. And yet some of you, and it's, it's no, no problem at all, but we're believing for you to see it. If you need to see it and to receive this gift that God has for every believer. Well, wouldn't you believe that when Jesus showed up on the scene, amen, the first coming of Jesus, that the ministry that He began, we could call that a revival. We could call that a move of the Spirit. We could call that a mighty move of God. I mean, did Jesus not preach a message? He preached the message of the kingdom of God and did multitudes not respond to it? Were not lives changed? Cities turned upside down, right? Were, did people not come to God? People, Not everyone, but many masses, multitudes came to God. They were taught. They were instructed. They were restored into a right, right relationship with God. They recognized, many of them did, Him as the Messiah. Were there not healings? Were there not miracles? Were there not signs wrought? Water was turned into wine, right? Winds and waves were calmed. Water was walked on. The dead were raised. The sick were healed. So many signs and wonders and miracles were wrought in that short three and a half years of Jesus' earthly ministry. You can read about this in the last chapter of John, I believe. 
that John said, I suppose if it were written and recorded all the miracles that Jesus did, that the volumes of the books of the world could not contain what we have witnessed in three. We're talking about a move of God. Well, let's see if this pattern holds true about how God begins moves of God and outpourings of the Spirit. All right? Look at, actually, uh, look at John chapter 3. I said John 4, and we'll be there in a minute. But John chapter 3, verse number 21. We know that John the Baptist in this chapter, the forerunner of the Lord Jesus, is baptizing. And he's preaching a message of repentance, right? He's preaching a message, hey, get ready. There's one coming. There's one coming. He's here, but he's, he's coming. He's soon to take over. you got to get ready for him. Yeah. Amen. And so in verse 21, Jesus walks up, up upon this scene. And it says, now when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying, notice the heaven was open. Luke 3, 21. What did I say, John? I'm sorry. I'll pause, man. I got my motor running. John cha- or Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3, verse 21. Everybody with me? All right. And so uh, Jesus also being baptized and praying, the heaven was opened. And who? The Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost descended in bodily shape like a dove. Where? Up on him. Didn't say it went inside him. That wouldn't be necessary. Amen. Jesus is not in need of salvation. But the Holy Ghost came upon him. And a voice from heaven, which said, Thou art my beloved Son, Amen, in Thee I am well pleased. And Jesus Himself began to be about 30 years of age, and His ministry began right then. Right then. Now it's interesting, Jesus, we have it recorded in four Gospels, Jesus never recorded one sermon. He never preached one sermon that we have any record of. He never did one miracle. He never did one miracle. Never healed one sick person. Not one runny nose is recorded as being healed under the ministry of Jesus until after the Holy Ghost came upon Him. Right? Come on. Now look at verse 4. Excuse me. Luke chapter 4 verse 1. I'll get myself together here. Luke chapter 4 and verse 1. Notice what it says about Jesus right in the aftermath of His baptism... With the Spirit. Now, let me just say something to you, Brother Jerry. Because I know you're on my side. You're easy to preach to. If the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the child of Mother Mary, needed to be endued with power from on high, if He needed the Holy Ghost to come upon Him, how much more, church? How much more? If we're going to conduct like ministry on the earth... He didn't even preach. He didn't even preach, Austin. He didn't pray for anybody for healing or deliverance until the Holy Spirit came upon him. But the moment the Holy Spirit came on him, watch out. Watch out. What's it say about him in verse 1? And Jesus, notice this, being full. Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost returned from Jordan, and notice this, was led. Now there's a link right there. That's not really my sermon tonight, but notice Jesus was full and He was led. See, you want to be led by the Spirit? You need to be full 
of the Spirit. Full Christians are easily led. Empty Christians, not so much. It's more difficult. Praise God. You say, well, I was filled with it. No, just because you spoke in tongues 10 years ago and had an experience doesn't mean you're full today. Just because I, I, uh, 3,000 miles ago on my odometer, I filled up my truck doesn't mean my truck's full today. So don't just pat yourself on your spiritual back and say, I got this covered. No. Amen. There's a maintenance. But listen, you can see here, Jesus now entered into a time of fasting and spiritual warfare and combat with the devil. And He was skillful and He overcame all the attacks of the devil. But notice how He entered into that season. He entered in full. He entered in empowered. And He conducted His ministry by the power of the Holy Ghost. Now people will wrongly tell you, depending on who you're listening to, that Jesus did all He did. He walked on water. He he worked miracles. He multiplied loaves and fishes because He was the Son of God. And that's not true. He was the Son of God. Never was not the Son of God. But the Bible says in Ephesians that when Jesus came to the earth, that He laid aside His mighty power and glory and all of His privileges of deity so that He could come a man. That He could come a man. And so everything He did... He had to do as a man by the Holy Spirit. Now how could He be our example in ministry if He did everything He did out of deity? Because I'm not deity. You're not deity. Right? Amen. John 14, 12 says the same works. Jesus said not inferior works. He said the same works you see me do, you will do also. And greater works shall you do because I go to my Father. I don't have time to teach you that. But that's a reference to, I'm going away. Why is He going away? So the Holy Ghost could come. So that you could have that divine empowerment. So see, everything He did in the miraculous realm, He did as an earthling, as a covenant man anointed by the Spirit of God. And in that, He is our example. But my point here is, do you see... This move of God, this outpouring of the Spirit that Jesus brought when He came, it, how did it begin? With a divine empowerment of the Spirit and being filled with the Spirit. So we see this pattern again. Now the revival in Acts chapter 2 was mainly a revival among the Jews. But you know, there was another revival that started among the Gentiles. It started in a man's house named Cornelius. Cornelius in his household was the first Gentile, non-Jewish family to receive salvation and the divine empowerment of the Spirit. And from Cornelius' Gentile home, the nations of the earth began to be evangelized. Another move of God went out. How did it begin? Peter's preaching his sermon in Acts chapter 10. And around verse 44 it says, And the Holy Ghost fell. And the Holy Ghost fell. And the Holy Ghost fell. That's like rain. It's called an outpouring. The Holy Ghost fell on them. And the Jews that were with Peter were amazed and astonished. For they received the same gift of the Holy Spirit that they received in the upper room weeks before. Hallelujah. How did they know that? Because it says they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Now go over to Luke chapter 24. Luke 24. 
Now, I know these are scriptures I've gone over again and again and again. Amen. But there are only so many scriptures in the Bible. Right? We have to go over them again and again and again. But we need to become rooted and established in these things. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You see, Miss Stacy, how long have you been saved? Yeah, how long have you been saved? About round about 40 years. How long have you been filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking with other tongues? About 35 years. And yet she's still just breaking into new spiritual things, new spiritual happenings. Just interpreted her first tongue. See, it's not like any of us have arrived yet. You know what I mean? Because you went Lama Lama Siki last week. Amen. And I'm not diminishing that. We need to do a lot more of it. Praise God. Hallelujah. Luke 24. Now, in Luke 24, we know at the ending of virtually every gospel, especially Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we have portions given by the Spirit, by these writers, of things that Jesus said as a commission to His church. He's leaving His orders as He prepares to depart. Right? I want you to notice this commandment uh, that Luke records. And so it is in uh, verse 46. It says, Thus it is written, and thus it is behooved, that Christ is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Now that sounds a little bit like go ye into all the world, right? Preach the gospel. Jesus goes on and says, And you are witnesses of these things. Now notice verse 49. Mark this scripture if you don't have it marked. And behold, I send the promise of my Father, where? Upon you. Didn't say anything about being in you. Upon you. That sounds like what, came, what happened to Jesus. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry, that means wait, in the city of Jerusalem until, 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 until what? Until you be endued with power from on high. Hallelujah. So Jesus commissioned them. He gave them their marching orders, but He told them, didn't He? Don't do anything. Go to the city of Jerusalem and wait. And wait. And wait. Until you what? Until you get what I got in the Jordan River. Until the same Holy Ghost that came on me comes on you. You see, it's the will of God for His people to have power. It's the will of God for His church to walk in divine power. Power to perform signs, wonders, and miracles. Powers, uh, power to be an effective witness for Him in the earth. Amen. Power for service. Power for Christian living. Amen. Hallelujah. It, it, it's what began the supernatural outpouring of God in Jesus' ministry. Well, let's go to Acts again. Acts chapter 1. Thank you, Father. <clears throat> Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Anybody know who wrote the book of Acts? The book of Luke did. Luke did. Same, same author. Now it's the Holy Ghost, right? 
But Luke is the one that the Holy Spirit used to pen the book of Acts. And so notice uh, verse number 3, it says, To whom also He, Jesus, showed Himself alive after His passion, meaning His crucifixion and suffering, by many infallible proofs, being seen of them, Forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem. Oh, that sounds like we just what we just read. You see how he's picking up where he left off? Amen. Being assembled together with them, commanded them. Did he command them? He didn't suggest it to them. He didn't offer something to them. He commanded this to be done. He commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith He, you have heard of Me. Now, I don't have time to go back there, but now this is this second mention of the promise of the Father. Well, in John 14 and in John 16, Jesus, right before He went to the cross, made promise saying, I'm leaving but it is expedient for you that I go away. It's necessary. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter, the Comforter, the Holy Ghost, will not come. But if I go away, I will pray to the Father that He will send you another Comforter. Speaking of the Holy Ghost. Now if you have an Amplified Bible and that word Comforter, the Greek word paraclete is given a sevenfold meaning. A description of who the Holy Spirit is to be in our life. He's a comforter. He's a strengthener. He's a standby. He's the helper. Hallelujah. He's the counselor. He's our advocate. He's our intercessor. He is all of these things. And so Jesus makes the disciples this promise. Yes, I'm going away. Yes, that that causes sorrow to come. But I'm telling you it's necessary. It's to your advantage that for me to go away... Amen? You know the, de- the devil, Jesus just gave the devil fits after he got filled with the Spirit. He just did. And that's one man anointed with the Spirit that the devil had to deal with. But see, here's, what the, here's the plan that the devil didn't realize. That the plan of God is to, ha- is to have millions upon millions upon millions of little Christs walking the planet with that same Holy Ghost with that same divine power. No, we're not Him. I'm not saying we're Him. But we are in Him. And He is... Come on. And so Luke here is recounting this. And he says uh, in verse 5, For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence or from now. Praise God. Now look at verse 7. And they said unto him, Is it, uh, they'd asked him, remember, are you going to restore to the kingdom? And he said, No, I'm not. Not right now. He said, That's not for you to know. Look at verse 8. But you shall receive what? You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And then it's inferred, You shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Hallelujah. So the outpouring of the Spirit, that, that right there was fulfilled in what we've read the last two weeks in Acts 2-4. They were all assembled in that upper room, praying and in one accord. 
And suddenly there came from heaven the sound of a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And cloven tongues of fire appeared upon their heads. Amen? And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, this language is consistent. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. But listen, people trip on tongues, but don't forget, what they got was power. That's what the whole thing was about. That was the emphasis. Power. 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 Remember last week, I I took quite a bit of the service time to read you uh, most of a vision that God gave Tommy Hicks, uh, an evangelist, in 1961, I believe. And he saw this giant stand up on the earth. And he was, had this black stuff all over him and all this debris and these little creatures all over him. But as the giant stood up tall, amen, and raised its hands, all that debris and blackness uh, left, amen. And this giant that he saw in this vision was the end time body of Christ. Rising up out of the earth, rising up out of its compromised powerless state, amen, the, you know, getting clean, getting pure, throwing off all the compromise, throwing off all the carnality, throwing off all of the demonic influence, amen, and then rising up a glorious church. You have to go back and listen to that. Hallelujah. Well, see, the church is, needs to rise up in this last day, but it's going to take power. It's going to take power for us to rise. They needed power then. We've always needed power, but to get God's agenda done in the last days, we need to have power again. And people say, well, I want power, but I don't want... <laughs> if you want power, you've got go th- you to follow the pattern. The pattern is get born again and then get filled with the Holy Ghost. Get filled with the Holy Ghost. Well, I, I wasn't taught that in my church. I'm sorry about that. I wasn't either, but it's in the Word. Amen. I came to not a crisis point, but a decision point in my life one day where I was going to have to choose to stay with what my denomination taught and didn't teach or go with the plain text of Scripture. And I just decided I'm going to go with the plain text of Scripture because I want all God has for me. And I'm just telling you, it's been many years since then. Glory to God, since I was filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, I've come through things I wouldn't have come through without that power. I've come through things that surely would have overwhelmed me, defeated me, maybe caused me to backslide had I not had that power. Amen? I've seen God work through these simple hands of flesh to see a blind man this year see. I didn't do it, but power did it. Where did I get that power? I got that power from God. Amen. See, I embrace the enduing with power from on high in my life. So many times I tried to quit, but see, I had the comforter on the inside. I had the standby. Praise God. You know, most of the time driving that expedition, you don't need a V8, but that extra two cylinders is nice to have standing by. Praise God. Like when I went on my annual hay run just the other day. It was nice to have the extra power standing by. Glory to God. you got a powerhouse on the inside of you. Amen. Named the Holy Ghost. And He's just standing by. Come on. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. God has things for us. God has, th- But it's going to take power. It's going to take power to get you into the fullness of what God has for you. 
It's going to take power. Amen? Stop trusting in your health plan. I don't care if you have one. Stop trusting in it. Stop. I don't care if you have prescriptions, but stop trusting in them. Stop trusting in all things natural. I'm glad you got a good credit score, but stop trusting in it. I'm glad you got a credit card. Stop trusting in it. Come on, learn to tap into power, divine power. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. The world is waiting on that giant of the body of Christ to rise up in power and set them free. Hallelujah. I've probably quoted this before, but I had this portion of an, a, a vision, a visitation that Jesus had with a man named Kenneth e. Hagan. Uh, well, it's been a few years now, but it was in 1987. And I want you to listen to what he said. He, he, he revealed himself to Brother Hagan, and, and God said to Brother Hagan, I bless all my people as far as I can. See, God's going to take you as far as He can. But if you only go with Him a little bit, He can only bless you a little bit. He can only take you as far as you're willing to follow Him. Amen? Then He goes on and says, But the reason that there is not the move of God and the depth of the flow of the Spirit and the fullness of the manifestation of the Holy Ghost today is because men do not take time to hear from Me. And they do not, listen to this, they do not take time to follow my plan as I set it forth in the Scriptures. So I don't care, people from every denomination, when life gets bad enough, they want a miracle. They want to believe that God will work a miracle. But miracles take power. And God doesn't typically work miracles of power apart from man. He uses man. He works through man. And He's not going to change His program for you and me. It's up to us to learn to flow with Him and to get with the program. Notice He said the reason there's not more miracles, the reason there's not in this day the greater, a greater depth and intensity and the fullness of the manifestation of the Spirit of God and the power of God and the gifts of the Spirit, He said there's a reason. Jesus did. And it's not on heaven's side. He said, people don't take time to hear from Me. People are so presumptuous today. They marry whoever, you know, want some warm flesh that's got breath that comes along. And they marry them. And then they ask God to bless their mess. What will He do? Bless you as far as He can. But that turkey that you married might not less, let them. Might not let God bless your marriage very far. It'd be so much better to get God's plan before you make a lifelong blood covenant with another human being. What are people thinking? And there are people today, they're with someone they ought not be with and they know it. What are you doing? I'm trying not to look at any one in particular person. People wreck their lives. You want to know why? They don't listen. They don't listen. They don't listen. You know, every day of my life, I receive a blessing. Every day of my life, I receive a blessing of some sort. You want to know why? I married right. And because I married right, a blessing comes to me every day. I don't have the drama. I don't have the betrayal. I don't have the hurt. I don't have the mess. I don't have the messed up kids. I, 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 don't, I don't have another spouse going to some other church. We're together. Because I married right. 
Hallelujah. And I'm not out to hurt people. I'm not out to condemn you. I'm just telling you, you got to be strong because people don't want to listen. They want, they want to follow their flesh. And you follow your flesh, you're going to reap corruption. That's what Galatians 6 says. Amen. And see, people don't take time in prayer. They're wrapped up in their emotions. They're wrapped up in their loneliness. They're wrapped up in their need to have a boyfriend or whatever. A girlfriend. I was that person once. It's crazy. It's ridiculous. You're going to mess up your life. Take time to follow Him and find out from God what His plan is. Okay, I'm going to get off of that. But I need to be on it. Hallelujah. You know, Brother Hagin said, most people don't listen to me. You know, and anyway, let's get back on this other statement. Jesus went on to say, and people don't take time to follow my plan as I laid it out in the Scriptures. Listen, there is an undeniable pattern in the Scripture. God works in patterns. God works in patterns. Jesus, before He started His ministry, He got endued with power from heaven when the Holy Ghost came on Him. When He started His church, He told His leading, hand-trained men and women, don't start, don't do nothing until the Holy Ghost came on you, comes on you like He came on me. And if you follow the book of Acts, I'm not going to take time to do that with you again. I've probably done that ten times in this church. I'll do it again, no doubt. Amen. People get saved, people get filled with the Spirit. People get saved, people get filled with the Spirit. People get saved, people get filled with the Spirit. And just so that you know, can I borrow your Bible, Mom? In all of the epistles of the New Testament, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, 1 and 2 Timothy, right? Titus, Philemon, all of them, James, all of them. None of the churches they wrote to, the church at Ephesus, there is no such thing as a non-spirit-filled church in the New Testament, a non-spirit-filled congregation that doesn't talk in tongues. There is no such thing in your Bible as that. I'll give you $10,000 out of the church savings account if you can show me a New Testament church that did not believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit and that congregation didn't speak with tongues. And I have it, and I'll give it to you. But you can't. I've already done my homework on that. And yet people fall for stuff. It's so sad. I, I, I was tempted to fall for it. Some preacher gets behind a pretty pulpit like that and say, all oh, that stuff passed away. Yeah, it's in the Bible, but that's not for us today. Oh, okay. People aren't even curious. If they're listening to their spirit, I listen to my spirit. There was something on the inside of me. When I heard bunk like that, Pastor Greg, I heard my spirit went, that's not right. That, that argument doesn't hold water. See, I've been reading my Bible. I've been reading my Bible. You're going to have to choose. Amen. And find me a scripture that says, this has passed away. You can't. But see, here he links... The reason why we don't have a greater move of the Spirit with people are not following, His people are not following the plan as it's laid out in the Scripture. Well, what's His plan? Be filled. Be filled, and then listen, live filled. Live filled. Live full of the Holy Ghost. Amen? And with a few minutes I have left, let's, let's center up on, on that. Amen. Uh, praise God. 
Oh, let's go to Ephesians chapter 5. And to the folks in the booth, I'm going to be in my Amplified probably the rest of the remaining few minutes. Acts chapter, Ephesians chapter 5. You know, y'all just have to forgive me. Not that I'm in need of it, but I'm just saying you just have to forgive me. If you, there's just, I, I feel so strongly about this. If I could get you over into a greater spirit-filled experience and you maintain in that, your life would change. Your life would change. I like what I read uh, uh, from Reverend Randall Greer in his latest newsletter. He said, if you'll live spirit-filled today, you'll avoid the problems of tomorrow. You'll live spirit-filled today, you'll avoid most of the problems that you'll encounter tomorrow. Praise God. Praise God. There is going to be a measurable loss in every Christian that says no to the baptism with the Holy Ghost. You wouldn't have such clear, repeated commandments and examples and emphasis in the Bible if it wasn't important. You know, it's in there. Listen, what I'm about to say, it's in there. Tithing in the New Testament, it's in there. But you have to hunt for it. You have to hunt for it and look at how we emphasize it. And that's not wrong. But it's all over the New Testament. The instruction to live full, to get filled and stay filled with the Spirit. And if you believe that we should emphasize what the Bible emphasizes and minimize what the Bible minimizes, well, (laughs) praise the Lord. Ephesians chapter 5. Who are you mad at? Nobody. 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 Don't don't take my conviction. I'm a person of very strong convictions. The the, the good news for me is is that I'm right about it. I'm not just... Hot to trot over something that's not important. Amen. Look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 14. Paul says, Therefore, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall shine. He will make day dawn upon you and give you light. Look carefully then how you walk. Live purposefully and worthily and accurately. Not as the unwise and the witless, but as the wise, as sensible, intelligent people. Making the most of every opportunity, right? Because the days are evil. Do not be vague and thoughtless and foolish, but understanding and firmly grasping what the will of the Lord is. What's next? (laughs) Do not get drunk with wine. So if you're going to be a real Christian, you need to go home tonight and throw the wine out. Don't be a sipping saint. If you'll live full of the Spirit, you won't need that. I don't need that. I don't need alcohol. I don't need to shoot anything up my veins. I'm not on antidepressants. I don't need any of that. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Hallelujah. And if I feel like I get down and get weak, which I have... I know how to fill up. Praise God. Amen. 
So he says, understand, firmly grasp what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But ever be filled and stimulated with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Go over to Galatians chapter 5. One book to the left. Galatians chapter 5. Glory to God. See, you need power. And I need power. And And this is the plan of God as it's laid out in the Scriptures. Amen. And this is the impetus to great moves of God. An embracing, a getting back to Pentecost, upper room living, being filled, being empowered by the Spirit of God and leaving your house, amen, full of the Holy Ghost. Glory to God. Life will be better. Life will be sweeter. You'll be more effective. Amen. Praise God. So notice verse 16 again in my Amplified. But I say, walk and live habitually in the Holy Spirit, responsive to and controlled and guided by the Spirit, then you will certainly not gratify the cravings and the desires of the flesh of the human nature without God. You ever have any struggles with your flesh? Here He's telling you how to not fall prey to the appetites of the flesh. What is it? Well, it's not going, no, I'm not going to smile, I'm not going to think that, oh, I'm not going to watch porn. No, that's not the, no. Walk in the Spirit. Live full of the Spirit. I did a study one time on the word walk, walk in the Spirit. And it literally means in the Greek, be occupied with. Be occupied with the Holy Ghost. Come on, be occupied with the Spirit of God. Amen. Have Him on your mind. Yield to Him. Talk to Him. Hallelujah. Let Him have His way with you. Make a habit of that. Walk and live responsive to. And nobody controlled by the Holy Ghost cheats on their husband. Nobody being controlled by the power of the Holy Spirit in and on them, amen, wanders into a strip club. Or splits open a church. Or tears up their family. Or sins in any way. Right? Praise God. Let's continue reading verse 17. For the desires of the flesh are opposed to the Holy Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are opposed to the flesh. Godless human nature. For these are antagonistic to each other, continually withstanding and in conflict with each other. So that you are not free... You're not free. Come on, God wants you free. But you're not free when the flesh is in control. But you are prevented from doing what you desire to do. But if you are guided, led by the Holy Spirit, you are not subject to the law. Verse 22. But the fruit of the Holy Spirit, right? The work which His presence within accomplishes is love, joy, peace, patience. Look at that. And even temper. So you let the Holy Ghost to fly off the handle. Forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, meekness, humility, self-control, self-restraint. 
Against such things, there is no law. Verse 25, if we live by the Holy Spirit, notice that. See, we're alive in God because of the Holy Spirit. If that's true, notice the next instruction. Let us live. Let us live by the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Now, time's getting away from me. But praise God. Listen, if you study, if you go home and pull up Bible Gateway or your little blue Bible or whatever and do a little word search and just put in the word full and filled in the New Testament and look up relevant scriptures, there are manifestations that you'll see when people get full. Right? Notice... Uh, like I'm just going to start calling these out. You're probably not going to be able to keep up with me, all right? Like we saw in Luke 4, 1, Jesus being full of the Holy Spirit was led. He was led. Amen. Acts 2, 4, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. Amen. Acts 4, 8, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them and preached a sermon that got 3,000 people born again. Notice he didn't do that empty. He did that empowered, endued with, filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen? Acts 4.31, when the corporate church gathered together and when they had prayed, notice this, the place was shaken. You ever heard about a segment of Christians called the Quakers? Now you might have a funny little image, but you probably don't know much about them. You want to know why they're called Quakers? Because there was a revival, there was an outpouring of the Holy Ghost, and they would shake under the power of God. And they were nicknamed the Quakers. Notice when the power of God manifested in that group of Christians, they shook. Notice here, in this outpouring, they didn't shake The building did. You want to talk about freaking people out. Wait till the building starts shaking. You know, back around 1907 during the Azusa Street Revival, constantly they would have the fire department called on them because people would drive by the city street and see flames of fire shooting out the top of the building and and the fire department would bust in on the church service. The only fire in there is the fire of the Holy Ghost. Jesus said... I'll baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. Historical fact. Manifestations. Demonstrations. Amen. So when they had prayed, Acts 4.31, the place was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke the Word of God with boldness. You tired of being timid? You want to get out there and be a real witness for God? See, you need to be filled. You need to live full. It'll make you bold. Praise God. Make you bold. Hallelujah. And we need that today. Because we got a commission in this last day to get the gospel out. Here's a good one. Acts 7, 55. Acts 7, 55 says, But he, Stephen, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up and saw into heaven. See, notice, he met death full. And being full of the Spirit, he saw into the realm of the Spirit. See, if you'll live full, you'll see things you won't see if you're not full. You'll have revelations. You'll have insight. You'll have divine help of the Spirit that you wouldn't have if you didn't live full. Right? Just trying to get over some things to you. Amen. 
Glory to God. It's interesting in Acts 9.17, Paul, Saul is converted to Jesus on the road to Damascus. And God gives Ananias a vision, says, go talk to him. Go pray for him. And the first thing he said, I've come that you might receive your sight, Ananias, or I mean Saul, and that you might be filled. God wanted him full from the beginning. From the beginning. Hallelujah. All right. Y'all with me? We're almost done. Praise God. Notice this, Acts eleven twenty four. Stephen was a good man. Uh, actually, it may have been Apollos or another one of the disciples. He was a good man, full of the Holy Ghost and faith. And notice this, much people was added to the Lord in connection with him being full of the Spirit and full of faith. Here's one of my favorites, Acts 13, 52. And they, the disciples, were all filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. See, we can all tell who's full. We can all tell who's full. Can't you tell when someone got full of course light? We can tell who's full. It's evident, right? Who had a sip and who had a 12-pack? It's, it's, you know, it's evident. You don't have to take a blood test to figure that out. Praise God. The fuller you get of the Spirit, amen, the more evident it's going to be to people around you. And don't be afraid of that. Holy Spirit's not out to embarrass you. He will get you out of your pride. Sure will. Like I was telling the students, man, we got to go. I was telling the students out in California, if y'all can't tell, I'm white, Methodist, conservative, and a registered Republican. Right? So, I don't do things to embarrass myself. But I've learned, I've learned how to yield to the Spirit. He's worked with me. Y'all know my story right in the Methodist church about hearing this little voice on the inside of me say, raise your hands, raise your hands, raise your hands. Like, Why would you leave me alone? I'm trying to sing this hymn. Raise your hands. Y'all ever do this kind of thing in church? Some of you come into this church, everybody else running around, and you're. <laughs> you know, God, God, God can't work liberty in. It's just difficult for Him to, you know, do anything. Three songs, it'll be over in a minute. Praise God. And yet inside you're going, oh God, do me a miracle. That's not going to work. Right? Hallelujah. See, if you let Him fill you, you'll be full of joy. (laughs) Hallelujah. Well, we read in Ephesians 5.18, don't drink wine, get drunk, but be filled with the Spirit. And then it goes on and says, speaking. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I I remember, I'll kind of find a way to close this up here, but I remember before Amber had moved up, there was a brief period of time that I took the church as 
assumed the leadership. And, and Amber was uh, winding up personal business in Oklahoma, uh, back in Oklahoma and uh, didn't know anybody and just getting new. And this is a big adventure for us and all of that, you know, and you're feeling homesick and, and all of that. And I, I remember being out in the duplex specifically one evening and just got to worshiping God in other tongues, just magnifying, singing uh, in other tongues. And then all of a sudden, as I just yielded, it was, took no effort on my part. I just shifted right over into English, and I began to speak. It had a little bit of a rhyme or an element of poetry about it. And I would speak for a period of time at what, what, what the Bible calls it a song. And it blessed me, it would, it would encourage me, and it would strengthen me. And God gave it to me in English where I could benefit and be blessed and comforted by those words. And I just spoke that way for, I could have spoken like that in that flow all night long. I got up and decided to go to bed later, but an hour or more, two maybe, just talking to myself in Psalms, encouraging myself. Amen. Letting the Holy Ghost minister to me. Living full. You know, time would fail me, church, just to tell you about all the things that, that God turned for me and that God's turned for this ministry. And the way it turned was me spending intense times aside with God praying in other tongues. You know, I'll close with one more story maybe. I, I remember when God uh, opened the door for us. We had sold our building, so we didn't have a building. This one wasn't built yet. And um, God had opened a door for us to share another church's building, Brother Strong's building. Be forever grateful to them. But we had Saturday church, you know. You remember that? And uh, Tuesday church for a lot of years. But I mean, the, we moved in around June, and it was like someone reached into the spirit, guys, and all of a sudden just reached over to the financial spigot and just turned it off. I mean, just reached over and turned it off. I mean, we were passing the bucket every service, but it's like everybody stopped giving it once. And I mean, it freaked me out. I never experienced anything like that before. I, there was no, it made no sense. It just made no sense in the natural. It's like, who left? Who's backslid? Who do we need to call? You know? And you do that kind of analysis, and there's just, it doesn't make sense, but it did, brother. It looked like somebody just reached in there and turned the water off. And I thought, forget a building. Is, our, is my family going to eat this week? And I didn't know what to do, but I just said everything stops. I cleared my schedule. And from 8 to 5, Monday through Friday, I took a week. And I went in their little prayer room. I took an hour for lunch. I didn't take any phone calls. I prayed in tongues from 8 a.m. to 12 p.m. I came back at 1 and prayed till about 5 in the Holy Ghost. And I mean, most of it, just to be honest with you, dry. No, no sense of anointing, just gutting it out, dry. I mean, oh my God, lambaste. Oh my God, another sixty. Wow, how am I going to make it? Romboste. And I just did that. I gutted out a whole week, and I'm like, God, surely I'd have a vision. I'd see Jesus, an angel, something. It's got to happen here. And I got to Friday and. That was it, but I walked off. But you know what? At the end of that week, we started that Sunday, and we went that next week. It's like somebody reached over into the thing, turned the water back on. I didn't prophesy. 
I, I, didn't, I didn't call up people going, hey, you know, I don't know what happened. I just, it was a spiritual thing. But God turned that. He turned that by praying in the Holy Ghost. Praying in the Spirit. I, I just, it, I don't know exactly what the, what the Lord has in mind for us, but I'd loved it for Him to give me permission to go back all over the ground we've gone over all before of the value of speaking with other tongues. Taking time to speak to God in that heavenly language. There is so much value. So much value to praying in the Spirit. But I'll tell you this, praying in tongues will fix things and turn things that nothing else will. I mean, some of us, man, I did all that. I bound the devil. I pled the blood. I prophesied. I took authority. I worshiped. I repented for everything I could think of. And still the money didn't come. But praying in tongues did it. Amen. It'll run depression off. I mean, if you get down, you get low, you get discouraged, you can't stay down and low and discouraged very long talking in other tongues. I just can't tell you. Amen. Hallelujah. Stand up on your feet tonight.